0: Good morning. I'm Robin Shannon. Fordham University recently launched a research center that looks at how marketing can improve consumers' lives. On this week's Fordham Conversations, we hear from two of the people that head the Center for Positive Marketing. That's a hit. But first, 10,000 bikes will be added to New York City streets this month as part of the bike share program, City Bike. It's expected to be the nation's largest public bike share program when fully implemented next spring. The program is intended to encourage commuters who usually drive or take the subway to opt for two wheels. But as WFUV's Connor Ryan reports, this is some wondering what the bike share program will
1: mean for safety on city streets.
0: All right, buddy, you're going to be in a small.
1: It's a sunny but comfortable afternoon on Manhattan's Lower East Side at Seward Park, where young children, grandparents, and everyone in between is getting fitted for a free helmet. New York City's Department of Transportation began helmet giveaway programs in 2006, but ever since the announcement of City Bikes' launch, the subject of bike safety has been renewed. Nina, a New York resident, and her young son, Naru, are among those waiting in line. She says despite the city's efforts to make biking easier, like increased bike lanes and more traffic signals, she's not convinced the streets are completely safe.
2: I think it's more bike-friendly, but I don't know if if it's necessarily safer as a a whole endeavor.
1: Dr. Matthew Fink is chief of the Division of Stroke and Critical Care Neurology at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Weill Cornell Medical Center. He treats bike accident victims all the time, but says he knows firsthand the importance of wearing a helmet.
2: I was in a near-fatal bicycle accident three years ago, and uh, I think the only thing that saved my life was that I had just bought a brand-new helmet. If I had not been wearing the helmet, I'm I'm sure I would have been killed.
1: Dr. Fink notes that wearing a helmet reduces the risk of a serious brain injury for accident victims by 85 percent, but says he no longer rides in New York because he said too many, quote, close calls. The Department of Transportation says the risk of injury to cyclists in New York City has decreased by 75 percent since 2000, and officials remain focused on encouraging helmet use. Meanwhile, Mayor Bloomberg says the city's bike lane system is the key to safety.
3: It would be better if everybody wore a helmet. I think in a practical sense, a lot of people won't. The most important thing we can do is separate bicycle lanes from traffic, and that's one of the things we're really trying to do.
1: But John Pooker, a professor at Rutgers University in the School of Urban Planning and Policy Development, says cars and trucks often block bike lanes. And what's worse, it goes unnoticed. He says that fact, coupled with inexperienced cyclists on the road, could create a dangerous problem for everyone. Any bike accident after the bike share program launches, Pooker says, will likely be the fault of the New York Police Department and not the cyclists.
2: What I'm hoping is that This bike-sharing
0: system will bring this issue to a head and force the police to finally do their job. It would be sort of nice if the New York City police would finally do the job they're being paid for and keep
2: those bike lanes clear.
1: Pooker suggests police patrol the streets on bikes in order to gain a cyclist's perspective on the road. To start, City Bike will station 7,000 bikes in 420 docking stations in Manhattan, Queens, and Brooklyn, and rides will be available 24 hours a day. The Department of Transportation wants to increase those numbers to 10,000 bikes in 600 stations by next spring. The bikes are meant for short commutes, and rides are limited to 30 minutes. Cyclists must be at least 16 years old to use City Bike independently, and riders are not required to wear a helmet. As the bike share launch date nears, various advocacy groups are debating the best ways to promote safe riding. One such group is Transportation Alternatives. They plan to tailor their already existing bike ambassador program to help new city riders navigate the notoriously busy streets of Manhattan. Representatives will be located near bike docking stations to answer questions and provide other forms of help, according to the group's director of bicycle advocacy, Caroline Sampanera. Back on the Lower East Side, the once sprawling line in Seward Park has slowed to a crawl, and large cardboard boxes, once filled with 430 bike helmets, sit empty off to the side. Teresa Berry of the Department of Transportation says despite safety concerns with City Bike, she remains optimistic the future of biking in New York is on the right track.
0: A lot of parents brought their children, uh, and that's, that's the future. So and I think you see parents uh, encouraging their children to be safe, and to, in this case, bike safely, get a helmet, I, I think that's that's very encouraging, and that's our future.
1: Children under the age of 14 are required by New York state law to wear a helmet when riding a bike. Councilmember David Greenfield of Brooklyn is looking for all New Yorkers to join their ranks. The councilman is pushing legislation that would require all cyclists in the city to strap on some headgear before pedaling. I'm Connor Ryan, WFUV News.
0: This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. Now we look at a new initiative at Fordham University, making marketing that improves consumers' lives. That's part of the goal of the Center for Positive Marketing. Today I'm talking with the Center's Executive Director, Dr. Dawn Lerman, and the Director of Research, Dr. Luke Kaczurski. Good morning. Good morning. So what's the difference between positive marketing and traditional marketing?
2: We say that positive marketing is simply marketing in its most ideal form. Marketing is fundamentally based on exchange. Consumers, uh, let's say, traditionally pay for a product. Right? They're giving up money in return for the benefits that the product provides to them.
3: Yeah, I mean, so, so positive marketing is our way of, of almost like taking marketing back. Um, we think that marketing should be practiced in such a way that, that benefits consumers. Um, but it's gotten such a... Um, it's it's gotten such a bad rap over the years that um, we feel like you know this 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 new term really brings it back into focus what the practice what the discipline what the whole philosophy is is all about is it it should do something positive.
0: So you're saying marketing does have a bad rap in certain people's minds. Why is that?
3: I because it's it's not often the tools of marketing are often misused in um, in ways that take advantage of people give me an example Um, so for example the tricks that some companies play with with prices Um, you know well they'll they'll tell you okay you know we will give you this great rate on a a new car purchase you know ninety nine dollars a month but then there's this fee that fee and they they hide all these things and um, you know that can that can fine print exactly exactly
2: Now, I, I would add that there are, there are a few other reasons uh, that I think marketing is either maligned or misunderstood. Uh, one is that I think there's a general perception out there that marketing is just about selling or marketing is just about advertising. And the thinking is that marketers are trying to push products on people without the, the realization that um, marketers, if, if trained properly, uh, are looking to identify those needs that consumers have that are currently unfulfilled in the marketplace. Uh, And then they're charged to go and find solutions to fulfill those needs. And so that marketing is not just about selling or um, advertising in order to sell. It's also about designing products, um, building products, not from a manufacturing perspective, but from a concept perspective. making sure those products are available to consumers who uh, would benefit from them in places where they will find them, pricing it properly, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. communicating it properly. Yeah. Uh, so I I would add that point, that uh, marketing is somewhat under, misunderstood. Uh, and there's also the issue that sometimes consumers' short-term uh, needs – are in conflict with their long-term needs and, and vice versa.
0: An example, please?
2: So, so just a simple example. Um, consumers, particularly in the West and probably most particularly in the United States, uh, say that they like choice. They want choice. Uh, and Because then they can find the products that are um, best for them, the brands that are best for them. But there's actually a plethora of research that shows that choice actually over the medium and long term makes us more more inefficient decision makers, right? And Why is
0: that? Would that just be because it's just, it's just too much going on and we really want simpler solutions?
2: Yeah, it, it's actually, it it is too much going on. It's information overload. That the more information coming in, the more we have to think, the more we have to process information, the more time that takes and the more second guessing we start to uh, do. So if, if you only have have two or three options, uh, then it's much simpler to choose and to feel confident about the choice that you're making than if you have 10, 15, 20 different options. You Start to second guess, is that the best one for me? It can happen while the decision is taking place. So it takes longer to make the decision. Uh, you're trying to take in all this information and process it. And then at the back end, after you make the purchase, you might start questioning whether that was the best one.
0: Buyer's remorse? Exactly, mm-hmm. buyer's remorse. Now, I can understand that from a uh, a consumer point of view, but would that be slightly dangerous from a, uh, a company's point of view? So you might have a company perhaps monopolizing on a particular brand or a particular uh, item. Would that happen, or could that happen?
2: I suppose in the extreme it could happen, uh, I, I don't think we would advocate for for very little or no choice. But if you if you go into the modern supermarket, if you go into uh, a drugstore, health and beauty store, and look at some of the sections that are there, toothpaste is one of my one of my favorite examples. There it, there is so much variety uh, that it's nearly impossible to tell the difference between the different options. Is
0: it marketing or advertising? Because maybe I'm getting them confused. I'm thinking that marketing is you're trying to uh, influence me to purchase something in particular, whatever it be, toothpaste. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once you figure out my demographic, you then will say, hey, you know what, Robin? This is going to make your teeth white. Oh, wait, you're not worried about white teeth? You want... No cavities, Robin. This is going to make you have no cavities. Oh wait, you're not worried about that. You're worried about gum disease. Oh well, this is going to help. So it's so. What is the difference, I guess, between marketing or advertising? How are they intertwined?
3: It actually would run a little bit opposite to the process that you just just described. Okay. Um, in that it would actually start with uh, the company finding out what are your needs. You know, do you want whiter teeth, or you know, what is what is your concern, and then designing a product, and then delivering it to you so that so that it can you know satisfy that that issue in your life make you hopefully a happier person for it Um, where advertising comes in is that's the part of marketing that tries to make the consumer aware you know hey we listen to you we know that that you have this this issue in your life and we think we have a product that's that's going to, to help you
0: so how does the Center for positive marketing fall into place with all of this
2: a few different ways. Going back to your earlier question about how marketing and positive marketing differ and why marketing may be misunderstood, as as, as we see it anyway. Um, another challenge is that marketers do a fairly good job uh, at the beginning of the marketing process understanding consumer needs. Right? And then, as we've been describing, go about uh, designing products, services, and brands uh, to fill those needs. But there isn't, we would argue, sufficient measurement on the outcome side uh, from where marketers might check to make sure that those needs are actually being being filled. Right, So marketers, we as marketers, marketers in general, do quite a lot of research up front as to what consumers' needs are, will this particular uh, product or service do a good job of fulfilling those needs. But once the consumers actually consume the product, right, there isn't that check on the back end. Typically, the, the signal, the feedback signal to marketers is, is it selling? Right? But it may be selling simply because there isn't a better option out there or, or because consumers aren't necessarily aware uh, of better options for them. And so one of the things that, that we're doing at the center is taking a look at how brands actually perform in satisfying consumer needs. And we're doing that through our consumer value index.
0: And what exactly is a consumer value index? How does it work?
3: Um, we basically we divide consumers' lives into uh, a few different areas, into to seven different areas. And we ask them to what extent uh, marketing helps them satisfy th- these or helps them fulfill these these different needs in their lives, and um, ha- which brands are helping them satisfy which needs. So, for example, um, you know what are the brands that help you know keep keep your belly full? What are the brands that help you um, you know, just just be happy? Happiness is is one of uh, one of the areas. Which brands help you feel good about your about yourself? Um, So we we track those kinds of things.
0: Okay, so take me through this. I am I just purchased toothpaste Mm -hmm. Um, and then you would come in with a survey and ask me what I liked about the toothpaste or what I liked about the p- different brands like how does that work because i've only purchased one brand
3: yeah no it would be the the brand that you purchased and we would basically ask how it fits into your life does that brand of toothpaste you know by by using it does it help you feel good about yourself does it does it give you pleasure to use that toothpaste does it you know does it give you give you happiness um so it's it's really focused on the consumer as opposed to brand itself or the 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 company so it's a really consumer centric um measure and ultimately what do you want to do with this information
2: ultimately we'd like marketers to use this information to uh better serve consumers and society
0: i'm robin shannon on ninety point seven wfuv discussing fordham's center for positive marketing with its executive director dawn lerman and its director of research luke Kaczurski. going back to the center for positive marketing how is it structured
2: this the center is run by three of our faculty um, the two of us and and one other uh... but all of our faculty are considered research fellows in the center uh... and we are are all um, uh... conducting our research with the hope of having some some positive impact on on the practice of marketing we're all active researchers
0: is this idea of positive marketing of marketing that's supposed to benefit consumers is it new
3: it's the way that we as individual faculty were teaching it already and the way that, that we felt about it, and i think tried to to practice marketing in our own careers um but a formalization of it like this i've not seen before
0: and if not why not
3: I don't. I, I, now's now's the time. The world needs something like this, right? right? So, um, and marketing, uh, in in my mind, is the perfect discipline, the perfect philosophy to to just orient ourselves towards this. You know, people have problems right now. Marketing is all about solving problems for people. What are some of the problems that marketing can solve? Things like anxiety, right? A, a lot of people feel anxious about the current uh, current financial climate. And um, you know there are a lot of brands out there that can help people with that, uh, particularly in the financial services industry. I mean, which is you know, you look at a lot of people's concerns right now. And in our research, we've we found that this is this is a real a real thing that people are concerned about.
0: So you guys aren't just doing products. You're not just focusing on how consumers, you know, what's the best t- taco shell brand or what's the best toothpaste. You're actually mm-hmm. there's there's other areas to this.
3: Yeah. You know, so we we asked them which um which of these areas in their lives are of most concern to them and then again the extent to which uh, marketing and specific marketers are helping them them satisfy those needs so you know these you know, things like um financial security and just security in general people are very anxious about that right now given the, the the current climate um and that's that's an opportunity for marketers i mean a marketer should look at that and say okay people are having this this problem how can we help them with it in our research, we've found that it's, it's come from some surprising places. Um, so in that, that, like, uh, that area in particular, Walmart, Walmart helps people feel safe and secure. And if you, you know, when you think about it, I mean, it's, it's a place that, you know, people know that they can go to, to, um, you know, it's a they They can go there and get bread at a cheap price, right? You know, they, they know they have it as a fallback.
0: So you're saying Walmart itself makes people feel more secure. And you've learned that from your research?
3: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, because you know Walmart, especially in New York City, is very controversial with yes. some people not being happy that, you know, it, uh, it wants to move into the five boroughs or one of the five boroughs. Um, so what do you say to people who say, you know, no, Walmart is not a good thing?
3: Well, so so that that result about Walmart helping people feel safe and secure Um it has to be taken within context. Okay. So um, I wouldn't call those people wrong, but I would say here's an additional data point to consider. What were some of the questions
0: particularly that you asked people about Walmart?
3: Uh, well, so, it, again, it's it's in the context of the consumer's life. So right. we, we essentially ask um, if the brand helps them. Feel safe and secure that's the 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 short version of the question okay so and that's it's, and it's they a said pretty, yes. it's pretty straightforward
0: measure yeah and, and they gave the, the reason because
3: no they just identify that that the brand does help them feel safe oh they don't secure. tell you why right, they don't say oh right. it makes me feel good because
0: of blah blah blah
3: right right okay why doesn't
0: the question why why isn't it set up to ask the whys
3: because it would be a really long survey. <laughs> <laughs> how
0: long is the survey?
3: <laughs> uh, it takes a typical respondent about 20 to 25 minutes, which is uh, on the long side.
0: Ultimately, how is the Center for Positive Marketing actively going to change the perce- or the negative perception that some people might have of marketing?
3: I mean, outreach from you know students so on, on social media and just disseminating the word of like, here, this is this is a brand doing good for people. Here's an example. Um, Dawn and I have written uh, op-ed pieces uh, for a few news outlets to to try to get that message across.
0: Don, you want to say something?
2: You know, at the end of the day, we're we're educators, and our our primary responsibility is to our students. But this is actually a very slow process in terms of larger reach we're trying to
0: change the image of marketing exactly
2: (laughs) right um because we're we're working individually with students uh, but those students are very small percentage of larger society so luke
0: earlier um you spoke about articles, contributing articles. Mm-hmm. And I know you both contributed to an article in Forbes called Seven Ways to Think of Your Market in Human Terms. Mm-hmm. And in it, you describe seven body parts and how companies can use these in marketing, which I thought was very witty. <laughs> um, so can we go through the body parts and you explain?
3: Oh, boy. I, I don't know if I remember them all.
0: <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you what they are. I'll go yeah, down yeah, the list yeah. and
3: then you explain them to me. So sure. bellies. So, I mean, the, the analogy is, is really we have a we came up with a saying that uh markets are people too right and it's in marketing you talk about markets right the market for your for your product um and it becomes easy to lose sight of there's a human being there so that was that was kind of the the genesis of of writing this piece okay how do we how do we take a market and then just break it down into uh into a very human uh, you know
0: examples and yeah yeah
3: exactly exactly so we thought this this anatomy thing would uh would, would work okay <laughs> um so the uh the bellies basically that, that's that's the most fundamental way that you can make a difference in somebody. I mean we all need to be nourished to 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 do anything, right? Um and so there are examples. I mean you look at uh, I think the one of the examples mentioned in this piece is IKEA, right? IKEA serves mm-hmm. these these Swedish meatballs, but that's not really their main business, but they're finding a way to people's um hearts to to make a difference in their lives basically. Through their bellies um, and there's there's probably a lot more opportunities out there like that so you know as, as a as a marketer if you're thinking you know how can i make a difference in somebody's somebody's life feed them give them a good good swedish meatball okay uh, the next one was skin skin yes so yeah skin is is the human body's protection from the from the outside world right so um, it's it's the organ that's probably most responsible for for keeping us feeling safe and secure. So this goes back to a lot of what we what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know how do you how do you help customers feel um, protected? Just feel feel protected, and that could be in something. I think you mentioned buyer's remorse before. I mean, even something like having. Uh, Zappos money back guarantee right through 365 day re- return policy that might be something that just helps people feel more more secure in making a purchase and you know okay those shoes might be $70 but I don't necessarily lose out on it if I don't like the shoes Um. so so you know in financial services I like can mentioned, you know Walmart uh, does does help out there as well um, ears and uh, mouths ears and mouths so that is the uh the, the social side of of people's lives and brands are very much a fabric for people's social experiences today um you know you see you know facebook is having a uh you know rough rough time after their their ipo and everything but they clearly play a vital role in in helping people to um, to to satisfy their their social needs today, and that's something else that's that's been borne out uh, by our research. So, as a brand, how can you help facilitate connections between people? How can you help them listen to others, and how can you help them express themselves to others? Um, the muscles, right? Just with uh, you know to to you know people. Flexing feel feel good <laughs> about themselves, right? Incredible Hulk. Yes, the Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Um, you know people people want to feel feel good about themselves. I mean that's that's another um uh, another kind of basic need in in people's lives. So as a brand, what are the what are the things that you can do to to help people get there? Um, you know, it, it might be literally helping make people's muscles bigger, but it could also be, you know, helping uh, education. I feel like would fall in, into this category because it's something that you know, when somebody learns a new skill, gains some new knowledge, then they go out into that world with a, or they go back into the world with a, with more confidence in in their own abilities and and so forth. Um, so help people help people feel good about themselves. Um, eyes. eyes uh it's really about uh this is probably where the metaphor gets stretched the, the <laughs> thinnest, um but it's it's really about how consumers see themselves in kind of an idealized version of the or the, how they would like to see themselves in the future and how can your brand help them help them get there um you know do they want to be the, the the best athlete on the planet well how can you help get, help them get there um, you look at uh... at nike and it seems like nike is taking a a really human approach to this so they used, at least in recent years so they used to be um, you know they made sneakers that it's debatable right whether whether sneakers really help athletic performance um, but now they have all these you know these sensors that people can put in their shoes to track their running um, and all these these other things for people to help you know set goals for their fitness and everything and and it helps people sort of get to their goals brains brains have you ever been bored oh, yes. it's the worst right <laughs> yes <laughs> uh so you know even all these you know you, your your belly's full you kind of feel good about yourself you just had you know a nice social meal with your family you're you're, you're feeling great and then you you sit there and there's 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 nothing to do maybe, you need right? that stimulation At the end of the day, you need you need that stimulation yes and um your research has shown that that's also a very fundamental um, you know fundamental human need so how do you how do you just engage people's minds? And, again, you see uh, things being done with technology today. So you see, so you see this, this rise in this um, casual gaming, whether people are playing it on their, you know, playing uh, Angry Birds on their smartphones or the Nintendo Wii at home. So um, kind
0: of how companies can get you more active? yeah just uh, just get your mind uh, primarily get your mind
3: more active and, mm-hmm. and more focused there's a, it's it's just there's this fundamental need for focus so even i mean you can as a brand you can build things like this into um you know into a service experience if there's if there's a part in your um uh, you know in, in your service delivery where there might be some downtime for the customers um it would be very important to or you can add value by keeping people Focused, mentally engaged during that downtime, and you, I think this is this is being done in um, like theme parks now. I think in a lot of a lot of theme park attractions now, as you're waiting in line, there are you know different screens showing different things, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, things going on while you're waiting in line. If, if you can give people that that feeling that wow, time just flew, mm-hmm. that's good. That makes a difference in their lives.
2: We had a great example of that when we were uh, in China with our graduate MBA students. We were at a restaurant. Uh, There was a very, very long wait. And they have a whole area set up where those who wait can play chess, uh, can get a massage, get their nails done. And the wait at this restaurant is actually quite long, but time flies. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And then lastly is hearts.
3: Hearts. I mean, so that's just, if you can put a smile on people's faces, I mean, that's something that, that, you know, just that one sort of brief moment of of just they just feel pleasure and they can't help but you know just just stretch those muscles in their in their faces.
0: I've been speaking with Dr. Dawn Lerman the executive director of the Center for Positive Marketing and Dr. Luke Kaczurski, the director of research for the Center for Positive Marketing. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WSUV. You can hear Fordham Conversations every Saturday at 7 a.m. You can also friend us on Facebook and catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay with us, George Bodarkey and CityScape for next. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.